0: Welcome to Get Yourself Back, a podcast designed especially for those recovering from narcissists. Here, I teach you how to heal, how to feel lasting peace, lead with love, and create the life you want, no matter what you've been through or who is in your life. Hi, I'm Laura, by the way, and I'm the coach for people dealing with narcissists who have lost themselves trying to survive. It's time to get yourself back. Let's go. Hi everyone and welcome back. I hope you are spending October of 2020 staying safe. It's a little bit crazy out there. I usually record my podcast at night after the kids have gone to bed and I don't know, it's just, it's just fun being here relaxing in the evening, talking to you. So I hope you're having a fantastic day today. So today's episode is all about trauma bonding, but first I want to address a new review that came in that was more of a question than a review, but I'd love to take the time to answer it because it's a very important question. So Nan KKK writes, I'll just call you Nan, (laughs) I agree with a lot of the things Laura says, how she spreads self-love, self-trust, etc. But I don't understand when you say when you love someone and if you can explain why, that's not love. You should love someone only because he exists. I don't completely agree with that. You can love yourself or your kids unconditionally only because they exist. You can't love even parents if they don't treat you or abuse by them. So you can't love your partner just because they exist. They should make you feel loved, needed, and understood. Otherwise... What's the reason to be with anyone and why would you choose this person if there are not any reasons behind choosing them? So I can just choose anyone and even if he's abusive, angry, or destroying. Okay. That's the, that's the question that Nan asked. So Nan, I would just want to thank you for asking this very important question. So unconditional love is a concept that obviously isn't new to the world, but the way in which I teach it can sometimes be tricky to navigate because we as a society are so used to uh, loving people for reasons that make us love them right They're good looking they make us feel a certain way those things like that. And we're not used to loving others or in other words we're and we're used to at the same time not loving others when they cease to do those things when they stop being good looking, when they stop being nice, when they stop making us feel good, right that's that's kind of a way of approaching relationships that i personally disagree with and i just want to m- make a caveat here that everything i teach is 100% optional so when you're listening to what i'm saying on my podcast or if you read any of my posts on instagram or if you get any of my emails write the concepts and the things that I'm teaching anyone who is listening or reading, those are 100% optional. They are thoughts. They are beliefs that I have come to really love for my own reasons. And I believe that they're good enough to share with the world, but they don't have to be the thing that everyone believes all the time. I think personally it gives us a lot more power. I think it has helped me have a much stronger marriage, have a much stronger family bond with my children and my family members. And this kind of thing has really served me. And if it doesn't serve you, it's really okay to to, to not use them, to not adopt them. It's and, and so I just want to make that very clear that anything you're listening to, you can try it on. If it serves you, great. If it doesn't, you can try something else. So that's always an option for you no matter what. And so let's take, uh, let's take the example of abusive parents. Okay. Should you love them simply because they exist, even if they're abusive, right? So my answer to loving parents, regardless of how they show up is absolutely yes, you should, or not that you should love them. Uh, I think the better way is I think that loving them simply because they exist is an option. So let me explain. If your parents are abusive, and I'm assuming that the person who has submitted the question is an adult, but if you're not an adult, if you're under 18, um, and you're in an embar- in an abusive parent situation, please reach out to the authorities, or child protective services, or some other um, some other program designed to uh, to protect children or find a trusted adult to confide in because you're not an adult. And so your, your resources and your choices are limited and you need to, to seek appropriate help. But if you are an adult, keep listening. So loving your parents does not mean that you tolerate abuse from them. Okay. Loving your parents, even though they are abusive, does not mean that it was okay that they abused you. It wasn't okay. And you're not supposed to tolerate any form of abuse. That's my opinion, right? So when I say love them, what I'm really saying is love yourself first, right? You take care of yourself, you set your boundaries, and then you allow them to be who they are from a distance if necessary, you're allowed to feel love for them if you want to. It's possible to love someone who hurts you uh, from a distance, right? Not be not for the sake of loving them, so that they feel good, so that they feel loved, but it's for you. So if you don't want to love them and you don't want to feel love for them, that of course is available to you. Uh, But typically we don't want to love people because we think that loving them will hurt us, but loving someone doesn't hurt us. Tolerating abuse can hurt us, allowing them to hurt us can hurt us, but you can love and not tolerate abuse at the same time. And so I offer feeling love for them exactly as they are, with appropriate boundaries, of course, because hating them only hurts you. It doesn't hurt them or change their abusiveness. It only makes you filled with pain. So choosing love is really about you. It's not about the other person. And choosing love doesn't excuse anyone or their behavior, but it does create safety for you as long as you're using appropriate boundaries and it creates safety for your heart and it, and it helps you be a lot less vulnerable because when you can just feel love, no matter what, you're actually in the strongest position. Um, I, I have family members with whom I had a really hard time recovering from, and, uh, I'm in a place now where I do Genuinely feel love for them. And I love them not because they treat me well or because they make me feel loved or anything like that. I love them because they are human beings and human beings are imperfect. And these human beings are part of my family. And maybe I don't always spend all my time with them. Maybe I don't tolerate any abuse that they might throw at me. For sure, I won't do that. I've set my boundaries, I know how to say no. And I can love them and appreciate them for exactly who they are. And what that does for me is that it makes me feel really good. (laughs) It makes me feel like I'm in control of my life, that no matter how anyone thinks or feels about me, it doesn't matter. I can always feel love. And that is always the best choice. In my opinion, love is always the best choice. Again, this is optional. And I want to Uh, continue answering the question here. So you mentioned that a partner should make you feel loved and needed and understood. So I actually think this statement is, I I completely disagree with this statement and you're allowed to disagree with me, right? We can agree to disagree if that's what you prefer. And, and the reason I think, I, I think this statement is untrue that partners should make us feel loved and needed and understood. I think it's untrue because When we make it someone else's job to make us feel loved and needed and understood, we are putting ourselves in an unnecessary vulnerable position. And we are telling someone in our lives that we care about that they are only good for us if they do what we want. And if they don't, then they aren't worthy of love. So imagine if someone treated you this way, that you had to make them feel loved and understood all the time and needed all the time, or they would discard you and tell you it isn't worth it to be in a relationship with you because you're not meeting all of their needs. So for example, let's say you're married for 30 years or 40 years, and all of a sudden your spouse gets Alzheimer's disease, right? Uh, People with Alzheimer's, aren't able to make their partners feel loved and needed and understood. So what's the point of being in that relationship? Should we just abandon the spouse who forgets us and ceases to make us feel loved, right? No, I don't think we should. So that's just me. I happen to disagree with that. In my opinion, you know, the truth is that it's, it's not possible to make someone feel loved. You can't, you can bring them, you can bring someone the whole world, and they can still refuse to feel loved. They can still choose to abuse you. They can choose to hurt you and and accuse you of not loving them, right? It happens all the time. You can do nothing, right, to make them feel loved and they can still choose to feel loved anyway. It's your job to love you. It's your job to need you. And it's your job to understand you. It's not your partner's job when you make it your partner's job, right, then you are giving away so much of your power and you're giving them a a job that they can't actually do because they can do nice things for you, of course. I, I don't think it's inappropriate, obviously, to do wonderful things, to show love for your partner, but no one can make you feel loved. You see the difference here? Imagine a relationship in which, You both give love to each other freely. You both show each other love freely. Like, you know, the boyfriend gives you flowers and the girlfriend, you know, takes you out to eat or whatever, all those things that you love to do. And you do it out of the, out of the goodness of your heart and the other person receives it from a place of, man, this is amazing. We just have an amazing relationship and I'm so lucky I get to be with this person. Whereas on the on the flip side, right, if you're in a relationship with someone and they feel like it's your job to make them feel loved, right? When they don't bring you flowers on your birthday because maybe something else was happening in their life, then you feel like that person doesn't love you, which number one isn't true right? Of course that person loves you. They just weren't able to do the thing that makes you feel loved. But see, that person who loves you is experiencing the feeling, but because they fail to do the thing that makes you feel loved, then regardless of how they're feeling, you don't feel loved. Do you see how it's still in your control to feel loved regardless of their behavior? And so when you make it someone else's job, you're putting yourself in the position of, um, of not feeling loved when they fail to do certain things. And guess what? We are in relationships with imperfect people and we're not going to have perfection all of the time. And so I think it's, it's a, it's, it's kind of a, it's a tricky line to toe here, but if you take responsibility for yourself, then you can bring a sense of wholeness to the relationship that makes it so much better. And this segues into the, into the question of what is the point of a relationship? Okay. So the point of a relationship is that you get the privilege of spending your life with someone. The point is to give and to serve and to receive and to, to be served but from a place of fullness, not from a place of need or lack. So for example, we can ask ourselves, well, why do we have children? Do you have children so that you can feel loved by someone? Is it your child's job to fulfill all of your emotional needs? No. And if you think it's your child's job to fulfill all your emotional needs, then you're probably an abusive person, right? That's not appropriate to make it your child's job, to make you feel certain things. And in the same way, it's not appropriate for your spouse or your boyfriend or someone who's a significant other. Obviously, they, they're they allowed to do things that show love, but the point is not... That they are a servant to your emotional needs. Your job is to manage your own emotional needs, and if they help with that, that is gravy. That is frosting on the cake, but it is not where we start from. Okay. The point of a relationship is to multiply the love you feel in your life, and and to build a beautiful life together. To live a full and happy life with another person next to you who's also living a full and happy life. That you, <clears throat> sorry. <clears throat> that you happen to share together. The point of a relationship is not to get all your needs met. And listen, that is not what society thinks. I, I understand that what I'm saying here is goes against what most of society believes about relationships. But think about it, right? Like there's a reason why there's so much divorce happening. Not I don't think divorce is evil. I think it's extremely appropriate in many contexts, right? Divorce itself is not an evil thing. But when you both come to relationship thinking, oh, this person is here to serve all my needs, right? I think that that creates a lot more problems than it needs to. Because relationships are not transactions, okay? They are experiences. And it is a privilege to be in one. And so again, that's what I believe and that's the kind of um, mindset that I have that has allowed me to have a happy and healthy marriage for over 10 years. So I've got the time and the experience to back it up and I've lived uh, my life sometimes in relationships thinking it was that person's job to make me feel loved and it was not the happy and full relationship experience that I have now. Okay. Finally, sorry, this is long, but I think this is really important. Finally, why choose the person if there's no good reasons to love them, right? You can just choose anyone because everyone's worthy of love simply because they exist, right? Okay, well, that's technically true, right? You can choose anyone, but it doesn't mean you should. In other words, I think it's totally fine and appropriate to have an idea of the kind of person you want to be with. Someone who is kind or smart or who thinks puns are really funny, right? Or someone who thinks the same as you politically or someone who you know and can see that treats people well, right? Yes, please make decisions about who you will date and who you will marry based on very high standards for yourself, okay? These are boundaries. And you are allowed to have boundaries and you're allowed to love those around you for exactly who they are without marrying them, okay? Loving people for who they are doesn't mean that you have to spend your life with just anyone. It just means that you practice unconditional love so that you feel at peace and you feel safe while also setting boundaries so that you aren't tolerating unwanted behavior, okay? And so it's possible to love anyone but give yourself standards if you want. It's totally okay. Um, And definitely beware of those who are trying to use you, those who are trying to abuse you. Those people are worthy of love, but they're not worthy of your life. Do you see the difference there? You don't need to spend your life with them to show love for them. You can just understand that they are human beings who are deserving of unconditional love. And it you also can make a different choice about who you want to be with. Okay, let me know if you have any more questions. You can email me at lara at thewaycoaching.com. Again, if you disagree, it's totally fine. Everything I offer is always optional. You can just decide if it serves you and if it does, great. And if it doesn't, that's okay too. Thanks again, Nan. You're awesome. Appreciate you listening to the podcast. All right, now on to the topic of the day, which is trauma bonding. The concept of trauma bonding was developed by Dr. Patrick Carnes. I think it's Carnes. If it was Spanish, it would be Carnes. (laughs) But I'll just say Carnes. Dr. Patrick Carnes, he used this term to describe a powerful phenomenon that um, abusers use. They use fear, excitement, and even romantic or sexual feelings to entrap and entangle a person in an abusive relationship. Those who are deep in the narcissist dynamic or relationship are probably experiencing some form of trauma bonding, which keeps them in the dynamic and makes it hard for them to leave and to do the healing. So being trauma bonded means that you are in a relationship with someone where you go through intense periods of love and excitement, followed by periods of abuse, neglect, and mistreatment. It's It's a cycle of being devalued and then rewarded over and over again, which over time creates a strong chemical and hormonal bond between the victim and the abuser. And this is why victims of abuse feel like they're more deeply bonded to their abuser than they are to people who actually treat them well. Isn't that amazing? Again, this is not my concept. Uh, you, go, you can go check out Dr. Patrick Carnes. You just look him up, Google him. He's got a lot of books and he's uh, a therapist that works with, um, I believe he specializes in sex addiction. So he's um, got a lot of programs for that. And he's really great. All right. So this is what it looks like to be trauma bonded. It's a very difficult thing to detect from inside the relationship. It's really hard to see when you're in it. But it's very similar to Stockholm syndrome. This is where people who are held captive actually come to have feelings of trust or affection for their captors. And this is, this is kind of their survival strategy to get through the abuse and the captivity. So people who are trauma bonded believe that they just need to understand what they're doing wrong in order to bring back the loving parts of the relationship, right? They blame themselves when things go sour. Uh, they also actually, they actively seek validation. They need love from the person who is abusing them. And in this situation, the narcissist actually conditions you into thinking that what they're doing is normal, right? This is through gaslighting and things like that. And as the cycle repeats, uh, of, of, of times of of, of times of great times, right? The, uh, the good times, right. And then the abusive times over and over, it goes back and forth, you start to seek validation and love more and more and more, right? It's the up and down. It's the alternating of really positive, happy experiences with really low, painful, and abusive experiences over and over again. And that just keeps you in the loop, keeps you in the dynamic, and it makes it so hard to justify leaving. So here are some more specific ways to tell if you might be dealing with being trauma-bonded. So you might feel... Indebted to the abuser. Maybe you're still making up for previous mistakes that they continue to hold over your head that you feel guilty about. Maybe they financially support you or they do things for you that you can't do for yourself. So you feel so indebted to them and you can't leave for that reason. You feel like you need to protect them. Okay. Narcissists love loyalty, they reward your loyalty. And as a result, what you do is you end up pushing away people in your life who don't like your partner. Because you feel like if you were to leave, it would be unfair to them, right? One of the things that I've heard some of my clients say is, oh, I, I just can't do that to them. I can't take their children away from them. I can't ruin their lives by reporting them, right? And so you never report through abuse and you stay in that situation. Another way to know is if you are constantly covering your negative emotions, either you're hiding it from them, the the narcissist, or you're hiding it from other people that you love in your life. Because, because if you express your negative emotions, right, the narcissist will play the victim, right? Because they're hurt by your negative emotion, right? They're hurt by your hurt and you are made to feel guilty for how they feel. And you can only share with people you trust, but even then you don't tell them the full story, Or maybe you share some things with some people and then you share other things with other people. So different people are getting different versions and different sides of the story. Another thing that helps you tell if you are trauma bonded is if you play multiple roles in their life. Are you the lover and the best friend and the parent and the therapist the teacher and the business partner right you feel like you have to be all of these things for them which leads you to have a very weakened sense of self right and other areas of your life are being neglected maybe maybe you both have matching or compelling trauma stories from your past you both had hard childhoods or struggled with the same kinds of addictions, or maybe you struggle in the same ways and you leaving them would be a whole other level of abandonment that you just can't do, right? Because you think about somebody leaving you in that condition and it's unthinkable. Another interesting another interesting thing that is a clue that you might be trauma bonded is actually having physical symptoms. When you are in a relationship with a narcissist long-term, you might develop things like fibromyalgia. Yes, that's a thing. <laughs> severe anxiety. You might even have eczema. I have, a, I have a client who had eczema, like severe eczema for several months and it cleared up as soon as he was out of that relationship. It was amazing. Maybe you have chronic migraines. Maybe you have these legions or sores on your body that won't heal. Maybe you're malnourished or obese. Maybe you have this inexplicable inability to sleep, or you have constant nightmares or stress dreams, right? The, The things that you're experiencing psychologically might be showing up in your body. That tends to happen sometimes. Another clue is if you've tried to leave multiple times, but you keep going back and you rationalize staying with them, right? Everyone around you can see what a terrible relationship you're in, but you don't which makes you want to stay more because you both are in your own little world and you are the only ones who understand each other. Right. And then you can't leave, even though you've tried multiple times and you feel tons of guilt, you feel like such a failure that you don't even want to try anymore because you have failed so many times in the past. Uh, let's see what else you tolerate, crazy things like physical abuse or financial abuse, even child abuse, you rationalize it or you forget it ever happened or you explain it away. You act like it didn't happen or you think, you know, okay, but if they do it again, dot, 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 you know, for sure I'm going to leave them is the assumption, but of course they do do it again and you still don't take action right? That is a huge clue that you're trauma bonded. So here's how it feels. Okay. These are the emotions that you're feeling if you're trauma bonded. Number one, you feel guilty all of the time. You have a constant sense of guilt. Number two, you feel like you're on a roller coaster of extremes, right? Really, really good and really, really bad when it's bad. You never feel like you're good enough. Uh, you're constantly triggered. You feel like a ton of anxiety is in your body at all times. You don't feel strong enough to leave. Like you feel weakened and you feel like you can't stand up for yourself. And this is an interesting one. If you feel like they are pulling away from you, right? Maybe they start thinking they want to leave you, or maybe they start thinking, you know, you're not good enough for them, right? You start feeling desperate and you start feeling clingy and you start doing things That you normally wouldn't want to do, even though you kind of want to leave. And yet you're desperate for them to to want you. You're desperate for them to need you. You also feel alone and isolated because you've pushed everyone away that you love. Or maybe they've given up trying to contact you, right? And the only person that you can really rely on, regardless of how they're showing up, is the narcissist or the abuser in your life. All right. So that's, those are some clues, to look into what it looks like and how it feels to be in a trauma bond. And that was, that was quite a bit. So we went through that, right? But what it looks like to be trauma bonded and, and I've seen, I've seen it with my clients and lots of other people over and over in my life. And even in myself years ago, right? I've been in these relationships where I know exactly how it feels to be trauma bonded. It's not fun and you feel like there's no way out. So, so how do we heal? from such a powerful and painful reality. So being trauma bonded is essentially a survival mechanism, right? And when that is happening, your lower brain, your subconscious is the one that is driving. And it's only concern is to get you to live through the next moment, the next hour, the next day. It's just trying to help you make it to the next day, right? But since being in a relationship with a narcissist means that you're constantly in fight flight freeze and fawn mode right you're not living like you're just living your life the whole time trying to get through to each moment and each day there's never a moment when you come up for air and you live your life normally you're constantly in survival mode so the first thing we got to do is we got to get you out of survival mode so that your brain can start to heal and function normally and so that it can create the life that you actually want So the way that we do that is, we identify the specific emotions that kick us into survival mode, okay? These are fear, anxiety, and any form of pain, right? Guilt is a form of emotional pain. Shame is a form of emotional pain. Hurt, anger, frustration, right? These are painful uh, emotions in our bodies. And when our brain is flooded with painful emotion, right? your brain is designed to seek pleasure, avoid pain and do it efficiently, right? That's the motivational triad that's how we've we've uh, evolved to survive over millennia and if you're in a lot of emotional pain, right? Your primary your primary goal in that moment is to get out of that pain. Okay? And typically we will do pretty much anything to get out of the pain because it's so painful. But when it comes to emotional pain, Okay, not physical pain, but emotional pain, right? All of these painful emotions actually come from one place your thoughts. Your pain doesn't come from the actions of the narcissist in your life or the abuser or whomever you're trauma bonded with, okay? And I want to iterate very clearly here, and I will keep doing so until I am blue in the face, okay? That when I say that emotion comes from your thoughts, I am not saying that the pain is your fault, okay? Your pain is not your fault, even though it is coming from your thoughts. What I mean that what I mean by that is that you have so much more power and control over your emotions than you realize. And here's the thing, if you are automatically thinking, well, ugh, it's my fault that I'm in pain, right? Listen, this is what the narcissist wants you to think, right? The narcissist wants you to blame yourself. It benefits them that you believe that fault must be assigned somewhere, that it must be someone's fault. It's either the narcissist's fault that I feel pain or it's my fault, right? It has, there has to be fault somewhere, right? Either yours or mine, And since narcissists do not understand the concept of taking responsibility for their own thoughts, words, and actions in a compassionate, loving, and forgiving way for themselves, okay, because they don't understand that you have been trained to blame yourself. Okay. So they don't know how to take responsibility at all. So they blame you all the time. And in order to survive that kind of environment, right, you learn how to blame yourself. You are trained to do that. So This is probably the natural inclination. If you've been with a narcissist for a very long time, your natural inclination is to blame yourself when you hear that your thoughts create your emotion. But please open your mind up to this idea that being responsible for your emotion is different than being at fault. Okay. I'll show you what I mean by this. Um, Fault means that you are fundamentally broken and that you should feel shame and despair and hopelessness for something that you don't actually have control over. So for example, a person who wants you to blame yourself will say things like, you made me feel this way. It's your fault, right? That is typically what the narcissist wants you to believe. And it's incredibly painful to believe that it's your fault because, and this serves the narcissist because you are motivated by all of this deep pain to make your pain go away by doing whatever it is that they want you to do. If they can get you to believe that it's your fault, right? Then you, when you take on that pain, decide I know how to get rid of this pain, I will fix it. It's my fault, I'll fix it. And I can fix it by doing what you want me to do and saying what you want me to say and erasing myself so that you feel better, right? Do you see how blaming yourself keeps you in the narcissist dynamic and it serves the narcissist. And I really want you to understand that taking responsibility, right? It's recognizing that our brains are powerful tools that interpret the data coming into them, right? From our sensory organs in order to survive. Okay. We developed the thoughts, a little magical, electrical impulses that are traveling through our brains at lightning speed, right? These thoughts are what interpret all of the data coming in at us. Okay. Those thoughts, these little sentences of interpretation are 100% optional all of the time. So you can choose to think whatever you want about anything. Now, does this mean that you should be thinking rainbows and daisies about every single thing? No, absolutely not. It just means that when someone is trying to make you feel guilty, you don't have to feel the guilt if you don't want to, because you realize that only your thoughts have the power to create guilt inside of you and you can choose your thoughts. Okay. This knowledge, when you really start to see this, creates a Big sense of empowerment. And that's what I want for anyone listening to this. I want you to feel empowered. I don't want you to feel despair. I don't want you to feel blame. I want you to feel empowered because when you can feel empowered, you are unstoppable. All right. So here's an example. Let's say the narcissist in your life typically likes to feel like they're in control of everything around them. That's pretty typical of all narcissists, right? And let's say that they make a request to you and you say no because you're learning how to set your boundaries and you're learning how to say no. Now, narcissists don't like it when you say no, because they're making it mean that they are not in control of their lives. And when they don't feel like they're in control of their lives, they feel tons of anxiety and they feel like they feel tons of pain. And the only way that they can solve their pain is by trying to get you to do what they want you to do. They controlling you makes them feel calm and safe. So one of they try one of the ways that they try to get you to do what they want is to change your mind and they do that through guilt. That's one of the tools. They have many tools, one of them is guilt. So they'll say things like how could you say no to me after all I've done for you, right? Or maybe they'll say something like I can't believe I have a daughter that treats her mother this way, right? <laughs> These are words that are coming out of a person's mouth. Okay, so let's separate the facts from the story here. The fact is that someone said words, how could you say no to me after all I've done for you? Those are just words. Okay, now your ears hear those words. The sound waves reach your ears and your ears transmit the sound waves through brain waves, right, to your brain. And your brain interprets the incoming sounds and you create meaning from these words using your thoughts. Thoughts like, oh my gosh, he's so right. He's done so much for me. I should at least do this one thing. Or maybe you're thinking, good daughters don't say no to their mothers and I want to be a good daughter. Right? Those are thoughts that you are thinking that no one is forcing you to think. But those thoughts are the source of your guilt, not the words of the other person. Now, I will say that those thoughts probably came from other people, right? You internalized and decided to keep those thoughts for whatever reason. Okay, they probably came from the narcissist. If you've been with the narcissist for years and years and years, likely the script running through your mind has been given to you. Okay, but guess what? You still have a choice. Let's try a couple things out. Instead of thinking, he's so right, he's done so much for me, I should at least do this one thing, right? You could be thinking, yeah, he has done a lot for me. And that was his choice. And I'm still allowed to say no if that's best for me. What? <laughs> Can you feel the difference between those two thoughts? I want to say it again because I really love it. Yeah, he's done a lot for me and that was his choice. And I'm allowed to say no if that's best for me. How empowering is that thought? I love it, right? You're acknowledging the truth, right? Your brain wants to to give you a ton of evidence. Look at all the stuff he's done for me so that you can feel this guilt And you could acknowledge, yeah, I guess he has. Maybe he's done X, Y, Z, I don't know, for me, right? But you acknowledge, yep, but that was a choice that he made, not a choice that I made him make. And I'm still allowed to say no because saying no in this situation is best for me, right? I'm in charge of me. He's not in charge of me, right? So empowering. Or in the other situation, for example, you could say, uh, instead of good daughters, don't say no to their mothers and I want to be a good daughter, right? You could say, you know, I have a different a different definition of what a good daughter is because to me, good daughters are always honest and saying no is the most honest and loving thing I can do as a daughter, right? Think about that. That is a whole new way of looking at it. Now, the narcissist does not want you to think these things. It does not serve them that you are empowered and that you think different thoughts and that you are managing your guilt. Okay. (laughs) Right. Those thoughts create something else. They don't create guilt. I'll tell you that. And guess what? You didn't have to change the thoughts or the beliefs of the other person. You didn't have to change the words coming out of someone else's mouth in order to change the guilt that you felt because you're able to find You're able to find thoughts like these all over the place. You can create whatever emotion you want by creating a different thought in the moment. And what this does is it kicks you out of survival mode. You're no longer feeling heavy with guilt. Now you feel a little bit empowered. And when your brain is no longer in survival mode, you get access to creativity. You get the ability to do what you want to do. right. You stop feeling a ton of pain and you start thinking way into the future. Instead of trying to get to the next moment, you're thinking, what am I going to do tomorrow? What am I going to do in a week? Your, your planning mechanism, the ability to see into your future through planning, it has now opened up. Whereas before that was not available to you when you were in the survival mode. Okay. And then you can get started on the path to breaking the trauma bonding that you are experiencing. All right. So what typically gets in the way of these kinds of thought patterns. I'm sorry. What typically gets in the way of, um, of this process is the thought patterns that have happened over and over and over again, which have become automatic in our brains. So a lot of the times we're not even aware of the thoughts that we're having that is creating the immediate emotion that we are feeling, right? The second the words leave, leave, the person's mouth, right? We immediately start feeling that pain. We immediately start feeling the emotion. We're not even aware of the thought that's passing through our mind. Okay. This is why journaling, thought awareness, right? Working with a coach, right? This is why that is so important because in order to gain awareness and begin the healing process, you've got to slow down and start to separate the facts from the story in your mind, And when you can really start to see that thought emotion correlation, then you can start working towards changing them to rebuild those neural pathways. But if you're not seeing them yet, it's not going to help you to force yourself to think a new thought. You really have to slow down and, and see the truth of what you're actually thinking. And that takes a little bit of practice. Gaining awareness of this, Watching the thoughts that cross your mind is, is a strange (laughs) new skill, but it's so worth developing. And I encourage you to start practicing that skill as soon as possible without trying to force yourself to think something new, but know that it's possible to think something different. We just have to find the thought that's already there that you're not aware of first. And, and y'all, this is the work. Okay. This is how you heal. And it's not always fun, right? Sometimes it's tricky, but I promise you it is 100% worth it. You will break free. You will start to heal the trauma bond. You will find the strength and the courage to leave if that's what you want. And you will free yourself, not only from the abusive person in your life, but you'll also use, use the same tools to actually create an amazing life that is beyond your imagination right now. It's the most amazing thing. I have so many clients and I think I've talked about this before, but I just, I'm so amazed and so humbled and so grateful because they talk about this. They're just like, I could not have imagined the life that I live right now. It's so far beyond what I could have even imagined when we first started, which I think is the coolest thing ever. And it's so true. I feel the same way. Like I, I mean, 15 years ago, I... I could not have imagined that I would be where I'm at today in a healthy, happy relationship that only gets better with time, you know, building a business, putting myself out there and, you know, learning how to create the life that I want. I did not know that it was available to me at, at, not at all. Right. And so, so this month, I think we talked about this in the last episode, um, I'm doing some live trainings So we already did one on money mastery for narcissist survivors. That was on the 10th. And if you didn't get to see that one, uh, send me an email. I can send it to you if you really want to watch it. It's really good. It talks about how uh, narcissism has affected your relationship with money and and how to move out of that. It's a really good one. If you want to watch it, just email me, Lara at bythewaycoaching.com. I can get you the recorded version of that. And I will be doing a new training because as I've done the Money Mastery for Narcissist training, I actually learned some new things about how I want to train my people. And so, uh, next week we are going to do actually a a different type of training. We're going to do actually three, a three day training and, It's going to be on the 20th, the 21st, and the 22nd at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. So those three days, uh, we're going to do a three-part series because there's a lot of information that I want to give you, and I think it will help to break it up into three different days so that you can really come on the journey and absorb the information, Okay. And so if you want to be a part of that, just go ahead, get, go ahead and get on my email list. It'll be in the show notes. Um, you can also email me at Laura at by the or look at my Instagram at Laurel at lara by the way, coaching. <laughs> but, um, I hope to see you there. It's a three day training and the training is, so today we talked about trauma bonding, right? But that's, that is one aspect of a much grander concept that I like to call the narc brain. <laughs> I made it up. It's a really fun concept. Okay. The narc brain, the narc brain is the thing that has developed in your body. Your brain has changed. It has been pickled, right? It's because you've been in narcissist juice for so long, right? So we will go way in depth into this concept of the narc brain. But basically when you've been raised by or you've been in a long-term relationship with a narcissist, your brain adapts to survive the abuse by turning into the narc brain. Now this doesn't mean that you have become a full-blown narcissist, right? Although if untreated, that is a possibility down the line, but it means that Part of your brain becomes the narcissist to you, specifically and exclusively to you. So you start treating you as the narcissist would. You develop an inner narcissist, right? An inner critic, the inner mean girl, the the person inside that's only concerned with feeling better and will blame yourself, guilt yourself, and live in misery sometimes long after the narcissist is gone, okay? Okay. The narc brain shows up in so many areas of life and it must be addressed so that healing can really start to take place and your life can change. So the whole point of the training is to take you through that journey of What is narcissism? What is the narc brain? How is it showing up in all of these areas of your life and how do we heal it? That's the most important part. What is the process to heal and retrain the narc brain into the happy super brain that we can use to create whatever it is that we actually want? Okay. So I encourage you to come to this training. It's going to be really fun. We'll take some time. We'll break it down. You'll be able to ask questions. You'll be able to get coaching if you want it and prepare for maybe about 45 minutes, um, an hour at the most, because I really want to keep it uh, a limited amount of information per day so that you can really absorb it all. So three-day training, it's coming up this next week, the October 20th, 21st, and 22nd of 2020. Now, if it's past these dates, if you're listening to this podcast after the training has passed. You will have access to those. Uh, anyone who's on my email list will be able to get access to those videos. So that is trauma bonding and it is possible to heal. And I want to help you do that. So please either come to the trainings or if you are ready to book a consult, you want to work with me one-on-one that's available to you too as well. And keep learning, keep going keep healing. It is 100% worth it. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you have an amazing day and we'll we'll, we'll see you next time. Bye. Hey there. If you are ready to take your life to the next level, working one-on-one with me just might be what you're looking for. I invite you to book a consultation. It's a free one-hour conversation focused entirely on your situation that will change your life. Email me directly at laura at bythewaycoaching.com to get started. Can't wait to see you soon!